Hi, friends. You are listening to the Legal Page Podcast, episode number seven. You guys, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Contract clauses. I'm sure you are not as excited as I am, but I promise you that once you listen in to these episodes, you'll be much happier than before and a smarter business owner because I'll easily explain the most important clauses you need in your service contract today and why they are important to have. I am going to break this episode up into a two-part episode series. Um, So today is part one, and then next week will be part two, because I am not about the overwhelm, and I want you to have some time to digest the first set of clauses that I talk about before we head into the next set. So make sure that you also listen to part two coming up next week as the continuation of this episode. Okay, are you ready? Let's get to it, legal pagers. You're listening to the Legal Page Podcast, where we chat about life and business with a legal twist. I'm Paige, attorney and photographer helping online businesses and creatives tackle their business dreams without breaking out in hives. No more legal mumbo jumbo. This podcast features simple, bite-sized advice that'll have you legally legit in no time. Are you ready? Let's get started. Okay, of course, as a reminder, before we get into this episode, I am legally obligated to give my disclaimer. Remember, I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. So what that means is that all legal information that I talk about on this episode is intended for the masses and a large variety of different businesses. I am only your attorney when you hire me and we sign an engagement letter for me to work specifically on your legal issues. Feel free to seek out another attorney in your hometown, in your home state, if you need specific legal advice, or contact me for more information and I can help you find someone. Alrighty, friends, here is the episode. Okay, so you know that you need a contract. Everyone understands that as business owners, right? We need contracts before we start getting clients and having any chutching moments with those clients. But what most of you don't understand are the necessities that every single service contract should have. So this is a list that I want you guys to go back to time and time again and make sure that you always have these necessary clauses in your contract. So for the next two episodes, we're going to go through this entire list. So I'm going to go through the clauses here and then we are only going to talk about half of them today on this episode and we'll talk about the other half on next week's episode. The list is as follows. The entire agreement clause description of services clause, a venue and jurisdiction clause, a severability clause, a transfer clause, a billing structure clause, the intellectual property clause, a counterparts and facsimile signature clause, a communication clause, an indemnity clause, an arbitration clause, a cancellation and rescheduling clause or clauses, and a force majeure clause. Whew, what a long list. Kind of a lot of biggies here, but we are going to only talk about the entire agreement clause through the billing structure clause today. So that's about half of them. So let's start out with the biggie, 
quite literally, this is the biggie because I'm so punny and witty, but I'm really not. But anyway, this is the biggie. It's called the entire agreement clause. So what this is, is it's very, very, very important for every contract to have because it's stating that everything is in the contract. The four corners of the contract control the relationship between you and your client. So the clause states that everything is bound within the contract and that nothing you guys agreed to orally or otherwise, like say you had an initial client meeting with somebody and I don't know, you talked about potentially traveling somewhere really, really awesome for a discounted fee. And then say you guys actually contracted to the full fee. They can't later come back and six months later and be like, we don't want to pay your travel fee because you said that one time that we weren't going to have to pay it. If you guys agreed to it in your contract, an entire agreement clause would save you from that situation and would be a great clause to point to and say, well, actually, whatever we agreed to and signed under the contract is what is our relationship moving forward. So anything that you agreed to orally or an email or say at that initial client meeting or whatever it is, is not valid unless it is expressly stated in the four corners of your contract. So you don't want chit chats with your clients to become any type of argument later on down the line if they are really important chit chats and they are really important things that you and your client need to agree to, you need to put that in the agreement. That is what this clause says. The next is the description of services clause. So this clause is really important and I know a lot of people don't have this clause. And I think the reason is, is because they just assume that whatever their services are, are kind of well known. They're kind of assumed. And I don't agree with that as an attorney. I think you need to list out exactly what the general description of your services is to your clients so they can refer to that in your contract and you can inform them like these are the big things that I am agreeing to delivering for you as a service provider under your contract. So the description of services clause provides details about the work that is going to be done or the services that are going to be provided and then the result that should be expected from your client. What this would say is usually the amount of hours you are servicing the client, the gist of your deliverables, like if you have any tangible deliverables or digital deliverables, you would want to put that in this clause. It's super important just to summarize at the beginning of your contract because I think it really gives a very straightforward, this is what we're agreeing to in the contract before they get into all the nitty gritty other legal mumbo jumbo clauses. It's also really nice because you can just bullet point this. You can just say description of services and then you could say something like the client and the company agree to the following services to be provided to the client colon bullet point that list. It's great. It's an important thing so that people can really just start their communication and their relationship off on the right foot. Everybody understands you and your client understand exactly the services that you are agreeing to and that they are going to pay for really good starting your relationship off on the right foot. The next is the venue and jurisdiction clause. So this is one of my favorite clauses that I see not very often 
in contracts. It's crazy. You guys, I review contracts all the time, all day, every day. And it's amazing to me how many contracts I see without a venue and jurisdiction clause. And they're just leaving it. Ultimately, you're just leaving it open-ended for whatever your state laws say. And you could be interpreted, say you live in Nevada and you have a client that is in New York. If you don't have a venue and jurisdiction clause, your New York client could sue you in New York and you could be subject to New York laws and all of the jurisdiction requirements under New York if they were to sue you there. What a venue and jurisdiction clause is it states where a legal dispute should be resolved if one were to come up. And this should always, always, always be your home state. So wherever you're living, especially even if your LLC is formed in another state, wherever you're living is going to be the most convenient if any dispute were to arise and you needed to resolve it in a legal world or in a court. You would only want to have to walk to the courthouse down the street in your county. You don't want to like be hailed into court in New York city and have to deal with all of the legalities and costs of getting out there. So you need this in your contract because you definitely don't want your client to potentially sue you in a different state. Just make sure the venue is your home state and that the jurisdiction and what the word jurisdiction means is what laws will be interpreted. And so the jurisdictional laws would be interpreted under your state laws. So you just want to include that as well. As always, all of these clauses I have in my contract shop. If you're like, Oh, Paige, I think I need a better venue and jurisdiction clause. Feel free to just hop into my contract shop, pagemarie.com backslash shop and get your clause today. They are less than $20 a pop and super easy to copy and paste into your current contract to just bulk it up and get yourself really, really legally protected and secure. Moving on, the next clause that's really important is the severability clause. So this clause means that if one of your clauses in your contract is found to be invalid, that the remainder of your contract stays intact. And so what it means is like if an invalidity of a certain clause happens, then it doesn't sever the entire contract as a whole. So say you contract to something like waiving your own negligence or waiving your own intentional torts. I am throwing a lot of legal mumbo jumbo at you right now, but like, how are you even supposed to know, right? Like you just got this contract online and it's supposed to hold up in your state Or say you like copied this contract from an industry friend and everything's been fine with her and then something happens to you later down the line and then their attorney or, you know, they really just start lawyering up and getting all aggressive on you and defensive and they say, well, this clause is totally invalid and doesn't work under my state laws and you cannot agree to that legally. And what a severability clause does though is it states, okay, so that clause can totally be cut out of the contract, but it doesn't mean that the entire contract as a whole is like ripped up, shredded and thrown in the fireplace. A severability clause says that you just X out that specific clause that is invalid, but the rest of your contract stays intact. So it's super, super vital for those of you who have template contracts or who have just copy and pasted and maybe put together your contracts. If you're searching for 
a contract on Google and you just kind of piece it together on your own. Or for those of you who have gotten and shared it from an industry friend, some of those clauses might not be valid under your state contract laws. And so a severability clause is super, super important for you to have in your contract. Okay. That is the severability clause sever. Just remember the word sever. It won't sever the entire contract as a whole. It will just put one clause as invalid and the rest of the contract is still valid. The next is a transfer clause. So I am one of those lawyers that believe ardently in this clause. I know some attorneys and we all, this is the reason that like being a lawyer is a profession. We can argue things all day long and that is a good thing, right? There should be two sides to every argument. There should be laws that we can argue are interpreted one way versus interpreted another. And I am one of those lawyers that thinks for sure you need a two-sided transfer clause. I do not believe that you should be able to transfer your services to another professional if you can't perform your services. So say, for example, if you are, say, a wedding planner and you can't make it to your client's wedding because of a severe illness or someone in your family passes away or something like that, um, something really severe, you can't just transfer your obligations under the contract to another wedding planner without the approval of your client. I ardently believe as an attorney that contracts need to be two-sided. If I was on the other side of the contract, I could argue all day long that the whole entirety of the contract doesn't hold up because it is so one-sided. And there's all kinds of legal jargon that I could spew at you right now on what those defenses to contract are, but I'm not going to do that. What I'm trying to tell you is if you don't have a two-sided transfer clause, it looks like your client has no say if something were to happen. And what this clause does, it allows your client to have a say in who you transfer your obligations to if that situation were to arise and vice versa, you guys. So say your client can't maybe pay for part of, say they have like a big website development contract with you. Okay. So you are hired as a website designer to provide services to say, another industry professional, it's a big contract, like a $4,000 contract. Let's just throw that out there. If you, for some reason, cannot pay your fee that is due by the end of the month, say it's like 25%. So you paid 25% down, you paid $1,000 of that $4,000 contract with your website designer, and then you paid another one and you're on your third payment. So you've paid them $2,000. They're expecting this third payment if you like, if you're the one who agreed under the contract that you're going to pay for all of these and then someone else comes in, I don't know, your mom comes and helps you out with a payment um, because you can't make ends meet or just something happen. You know, life happens. Hashtag life happens. You need to have someone else come in and pay for this payment. You can't transfer your obligation to pay unless you alert and agree two sided with whomever you're contracting with 
that that is okay. So you're, you would just contact your website designer and say, Hey, I am not going to pay this. It's going to be coming from another credit card. Is that okay? She says, yes. Perfect. So vice versa here, it's a two-sided transfer clause. You cannot transfer your obligations under the contract to another professional. You can't transfer your payments to another person without both parties in agreement. there. That's what a transfer clause is. I have these in my online shop. They are wonderful to use and copy and paste into your contract. The last one that we're going to talk about today is a really awesome clause, and it is the big kahuna of fee structure clauses. I call it a billing structure clause. I call it a fee structure clause. It can really be called fees, period. It can be anything related to fees. And what this clause really talks about is it lays out all of the fees All of your ongoing rates, whether you bill by the hour or by the project, whether you want to extrapolate that fee structure into even more nitty gritty and explain to your clients like from the beginning, what amount they are paying, when they are paying it, if it is a deposit or a retainer, how many other payments they have, when those payments are due, what happens if you have a late payment how often are you going to get charged a late fee? And then what services they are actually paying for? That's what a billing structure clause does. The more information you give, the less likely there is to be a dispute related to the fees or their payments at any time in the future. That's why I love fee structure clauses. I'm such a nerd, you guys. I could nerd out and write fee structure clauses all day long. And I do write like custom contract fee clauses for my clients because everyone has different fee structures. The beauty of my like individual fee structure clauses is I give you like eight different options. So I'm like, if you do this, if you have an hourly rate, put this part into your clause. If you want to make sure that they pay on time, put in a late fee part of your clause. Um, so it's kind of like a choose your own adventure clause. And just remember too, like you don't need to you know, you don't have to have a lawyer draft your fee structure clause. You can write this on your own as well. I always suggest having a lawyer write it because they can make all of your sentences and every ounce of information that you are stating in your contract sound very professional, very legal, and very clear because one of the biggest defenses to contract is if anything's unclear when people don't understand what they're agreeing to. Um, So a fee structure clause is great because you just want to give all of the information about what they are paying and how they are paying and when they are paying um, and what happens if they don't pay. So you should also include if you have a retainer or a deposit and also explain whether those, I always suggest using a retainer, uh, using the word retainer and not the word deposit, because sometimes deposits, depending on your state laws, can actually be refundable um, because you haven't provided services at all. So that's just kind of, it, it depends on what state you're in, if that law is actually um, legitimate. But I always just suggest using the word retainer if you're a service provider. And then you say that the retainer is non-refundable and non-transferable or 
either or. So you could have it be non-refundable and transferable, which means they they can't get the retainer refunded, but they could transfer it to say another say if you're a photographer, another session within six months. If that's what you want to agree to as a photographer, you can totally do that in your contract. Usually a retainer is non-refundable and non-transferable for most of the service providers that I work with. But sometimes, you know, it's nice to allow that and have that grace period for say six months to 12 months if something were to happen. But remember, I always coach my clients on this as well. You don't have to put that in your contract. So you could say that it's non-refundable and non-transferable, and then you could be the bigger person later on if something were to happen, like say they canceled their wedding and they are just rescheduling it. They need more time. Something happened in their family. I don't know. There could be all kinds of life situations that occur. And they just say want to move it six months to 12 months out. You could be the really awesome venue owner that says, I know that my contract says that the retainer is non-transferable and non-refundable, but I understand your specific situation. And I would love to give you a grace period of 12 months. So if you rebook at my venue within 12 months, I will ensure that that retainer is transferred over to whatever fee I am charging, say on that date that you book the new date that you book. So it's really awesome. You can, you can write a billing structure clause to really be anything you want it to be, but just remember it usually should include Include something about a retainer or a deposit and whether it's non-refundable or non-transferable. You also want to lay out in this clause anything regarding late payments. So in your contract, it should go right kind of at the bottom of your billing structure clause. And the late payment section is, it should discuss how often they need to pay and that if they have a late payment. So usually like industry standard is it is due within seven days of me invoicing you that amount. If you do not pay within seven days, you will be charged X fee per day after seven days or something like that. You need to determine if you're going to put in a grace period of seven days, how long that grace period is going to be. Is it going to be seven days? Is it going to be 30 days? How long is this invoice just going to be sitting there allowing your clients to not pay it. So usually I would suggest charging a late fee. It's just, it's good to have in your contract. So it incentivizes your clients to pay on time. And it's just a really, really great addition to have to your billing structure clause. So I always suggest you add that as well. Whew, that was a lot of information regarding all of the clauses. So as a recap, today we went over an entire agreement clause, a description of services clause, a venue and jurisdiction clause, a severability clause, a transfer clause, and a billing structure clause. These are the first part of my two-part series of all of the necessary clauses that you need in your contract. We're going to be talking about the rest next week, but it is so vital and important as business owners that we understand these clauses. So even if you have these in your contract, I am so glad you listened into today's episode because now you are 10 times more knowledgeable than you were and can really easily communicate what that clause means in layperson terms to your clients. So important as business owners to be able to know what our contracts are saying. And I, again, Again, 
want you to print out your contract if you do have one and highlight and make sure that all of these necessary clauses that I'm talking about in this two-part series is in your contract. If it's not, then you either need to visit my online shop and get one. You can jump into the Legal Page Community Facebook group. Just go on to Facebook and type in the Legal Page Community, ask to be approved, and we will approve you. And you can ask me more questions in there related to any of these different types of clauses. Thank you all so much for listening into the episode today. I hope it was really educational for you, and I am more than excited to talk to you next week about the rest of our clauses that we need in our service contracts. Talk soon, legal pagers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Legal Page Podcast. See, I told you being legally legit isn't so scary. Be sure to visit thelegalpage.com for all show notes. And it would be super awesome if you could head over to iTunes and leave a review. Last but not least, don't forget to join my free Facebook group for unlimited legal and biz Q&A. Chat soon, Legal Pagers. Legal Pagers.